0: G'day and welcome to another episode of the Luke's Lowdown podcast. For you today, I have a bit of fun and I've got some stories to tell you because I'm going to reveal some of my biggest and funniest mistakes regarding food and endurance sports. Now, I've had a passion for food for a very long time and I fell in love with cooking at around the age of 13 or 14. I know that might sound a little bit bit strange but that's when I truly love to get in the kitchen with my mum and I would start with chopping up some vegetables and asking her why she did that and why she added that and it was great fun but I wanted to experiment and I wanted to try so many different things so at the age of 14 I somehow convinced my mum to let me get in the kitchen all by myself to cook dinner for my mum, dad, and older sister. Now, it was something that wasn't extremely uh, difficult. It was spaghetti bolognese. So I'd have to cook some spaghetti, um, brown off some mints, and add some herbs, and some tomato sauce, and there you go. Spaghetti bolognese, great. But no, I wanted to mix it up, and I wanted to go all in and make this the best spaghetti bolognese anyone had ever ate. Now, as I said, I convinced my mum and she finally let me in there and I wouldn't let anyone in the kitchen while I was getting all of this ready and while I was cooking. We said, right, dinner's at seven o'clock, it'll be ready. No one was allowed in the kitchen. And maybe I should have let them in the kitchen. So I I was cooking the mints and I was, I was chucking some Italian herbs, some oregano, um, you know, things like that in there, some basil, all the rest of it. And then I looked in the pantry where we had all other dried herbs and other spices and sauces, and I've had this idea. What if I put a bit of this? And what if I put a bit of that? Now, I can't be specific because I quite literally, I think, put a little bit of everything that was in our pantry. Yellow, orange, red, green spices, dried ground, uh, sweet sauces, sour sauces, hot sauces, everything, everything. The size of the bolognese grew to about twice as much. And then I'd put in tomato sauce and um, Worcestershire sauce and sweet chili sauce and all this stuff to... To make a bit more liquidy rather than dry and i just remember being so proud <laughs> and i thought it tasted good and uh, served it up with the spaghetti oh very good very nice and to be fair my family ate it i still to this day they said it was okay but i'm not sure because i put so many different herbs and spices and things that you should just not put with mince, tomato sauce as a base uh, and with spaghetti, it was, it was full on. I wish I actually wrote that recipe down because it probably would have been three or four pages long in itself. So this is where I got this first love of experimenting with food. And I continued cooking throughout um, my teenage years. I left home at the age of 16 uh, to go and play at a professional level of, of soccer or football. And, you know, I was cooking for myself while I was there too. So I continued to spend time in the kitchen, and I was always fascinated by the way you could make food taste interesting. Now, I retired from, from football, and as some of you may know my story, and if you don't, you can go and check it out at luketoberski.com. I retired from football, and the very same day I signed up to the Marathon des Sables six marathons in seven days through the Sahara Desert. It was in six months. I knew nothing about endurance sports. I knew nothing about running. I'd made ran maybe 10 kilometers in one go once, and that was it. So I'm preparing to run this 255 kilometer race, reading so much online about running and endurance sports, reading magazines and all the rest of it. And what did runners eat? Runners ate gels. The traditional sports nutrition gels. That's just what I thought everyone did. I was like, wow, this is simple. Okay, what do you do? The company that I used at the time, one gel every 20 minutes of exercise. Okay, cool, right. Let's do this. So I I would go out and do my running and I'd start, you know, I started slow at 5Ks and built that up a couple times a week. And I remember this as clear as day. (laughs) my longest run i was building up to the first couple of weeks i had this 12 kilometer run now don't get me wrong for a lot of people who who don't run 12 kilometers is a long way but if you if you run a few times a week 12 kilometers is, is not gonna it's not gonna break you okay now i'd never ran 12 kilometers before and i put this down in my diary as my long run 12 kilometers i'm thinking probably going to take me a bit over an hour so I'm like I need to take three gels after 20 minutes after 40 minutes after an hour and have a a little bit left I was like great okay I'm ready for this so here I go I'm running with this fuel belt three gels probably a liter of water it's not hot when I was running in London and after 20 minutes, looked at my watch and yep, okay, started sucking down on one gel. After 40 minutes, sucking down on another gel. Now don't get me wrong, I didn't enjoy these for one minute. I thought they tasted horrendous, they were so sweet and they didn't necessarily make me feel all that good. And then having a third gel after one hour of slow and steady running, I nearly vomited and I remember where it was. I was running over Chiswick Bridge in West London, over the River Thames. And I almost vomited over the, the sidewalk. And I managed to get home. I was, I was about a kilometer or so from home. And, and I just, I got home and I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I have no idea how I'm going to run for three hours and have the amount of gels that I'm supposed to be eating uh, so my first experiment, my, my first experience, I should say, with, with running gels was having three running gels on a 12K run and almost vomiting on Chiswick Bridge. <laughs> so I still use gels when I went out to the MDS. That's what I was training on. But the thing with the MDS, the Marathon des de if you don't know, is it's very much self-supported apart from a tent and rationed water which the race organizers only give you a certain amount per day unless you want to incur a penalty, the time penalty. So you have to take a minimum of 2,000 calories per day. So you're out there for seven days, you have to turn up at the start line and show the organizers that you have the equivalent of 14,000 calories. How you eat them is up to you. If you eat 10,000 calories in your first day, You've only got 4,000 for the next six and I don't know if that's gonna work. So I went out there to race the Marathon des Sables, finishing the top 50, the elite top 50. So naive, no idea what I was doing, I was just going for it. So I wanted to take a really light backpack. So I was taking out there on an average per day, 2,200 calories. To pretty much run a marathon every day and only consume two thousand two hundred calories—it's not a lot. You know, my body needs just under that to be alive, you know, on, on a daily basis. So to do that on top of running a marathon in the heat, in the Sahara Desert, over sand dunes, over small rocky, big hills, um, and all the rest of it—wasn't a lot. So. But this is where my mind changed. This is where I realized after the MDS that eating a gel every 20 minutes is rubbish. Okay, I don't care who says it's scientifically proven. You don't need it. And I was running on next to no fuel at times, but I was still flying. It's the fastest I've ever ran for the first three days of a race and I felt amazing. I was in the top 50 and after my skin on my toes fell off and I got a stomach virus and intravenous drip, my top 50 dream died, but I still had the same amount of food for the rest of the time and I managed it and I was great. So that's how I started to think about fueling in a very different way when I came back from the Marathon to Sables and I thought, well, why can't I just eat normal food? I thought, wow, that's an idea. Why can't I? Yes, all the magazines and everything else say, no, you need to have these scientifically proven sports nutrition products. But I thought, I'm gonna try it. And then I thought to myself, well, hang on. If I was out in the desert running with very minimal food, I wonder, and this is the inquisitive mind of me in loving an experiment and maybe not thinking things through 100%, I thought, I wonder how far and how long I can run without any food. I know I can run a marathon on minimal amount of crappy processed food when I was out in the desert, but what's my body truly capable of? Because I realized there was an untapped resource that I was getting into, and that was fat. I didn't know much about it, I didn't really know how to tap into it. So getting back from MDS, I recovered, the skin healed on my toes after mini surgery and all the rest of it. And I thought, yeah, right, I wanna go out for a three hour run. Okay, I hadn't ran in a while and I had an injury to my knee and that got better. I thought, I'm gonna go out for a three hour run. No breakfasts, take some water no build up on slowly go out for an hour's run, go out for 90 minutes, two hours, nothing like this. No real research. I'm just going to go run for three hours. Wow. <laughs> so you can store around, give or take, depending on the person, depending on the type of food you eat and a lot of different things. But the human body normally stores around two hours of, of energy. Muscle um, glycogen in the muscles and the bloodstream and, and liver and different places from carbohydrates. So think of glycogen coming from energy coming from carbohydrates and you store that in your body and you top it up and you can only top it up so much and you can only store a certain amount before you replenish it. Now I went out running sort of not really thinking of how fast I was going and I was going probably too fast. So I got to it was just before two hours and i was starting to feel a bit rough and i started to get lightheaded so i slowed down a bit and i thought no i've still got another hour to go and and i was running i was running and and within another 45 minutes i i felt like i was floating because i was so lightheaded i (laughs) i had a headache i didn't really know where i was what i was doing i was a little bit incoherent And i just remembering going, if I make it through this, I'm doing well. (laughs) But this amazing thing happened. For the last 20 minutes of the run, I didn't feel rubbish anymore. I felt like I was on death's door. And then half an hour later, my headache went away. My stomach that was growling and pleading to put food in it was quiet. I wasn't hungry. My fogginess in my head and also the sense of having low blood sugar or blood pressure or whatever you want to call it, however you feel, it disappeared. And I felt great. I felt very relaxed. And I ran the last 20 minutes home in a very comfortable state. And I got home and I was fine. So although it was a bit of a mistake that I should have built up to it slowly, but because I was doing it in such an extreme way, it blew my mind that I could feel so rubbish and so crap and literally feeling like I wasn't able to take another step. But as I continued to run at a lower pace, at a lower intensity, I felt great and I felt like I could have kept running for another hour or so. I felt that good. So that's when my whole process of looking into using fat as fuel for my endurance training, that's when that happened. And that's for another podcast, we'll go down that rabbit hole. So, but yeah, for those 30 minutes, oh, I felt horrible, horrible, horrible when my body was, had no more muscle glycogen left or no more glycogen left that should stay in my body. And it was like where's this energy coming from come on come on come on i want carbohydrates i want sugar i want glycogen come on i want this and i wasn't giving it any so it was throwing all its toys out of its pram and i felt really bad felt really rubbish didn't know how i was going to make it but then i went okay if you're not going to give me any more fuel i.e sugar and you're still running at a lower intensity I'm going to switch over, and this is a very, very, very basic explanation, I'm going to switch over and start using fat as fuel as you go along at this lower intensity. And that was amazing. It was really eye-opening for me. So here's, I think, a fun story. So I I decided it at the end of 2013. Uh, I I was in Hong Kong for some friends at a race and I thought I want to do my own adventure. So I went over to an island off the south coast of China, mainland China, called Hainan. I thought I'm going to run through the mountains and, and run up and down the mountains, sleep in a hammock and it's all going to be really good. Now I had breakfast when I left Hong Kong. It was like an hour flight, an hour and a half flight, something like that. And I had no food when I got there. I had very little cash. I got to the middle of the island paying a taxi driver after a typhoon had hit. The place was devastated. I had no money. No one spoke English. I had no food, had no water. It had been about six hours since I had breakfast, six, seven hours since I had breakfast, and my credit cards didn't work. My debit cards didn't work. Yes, I told the banks I was going there. Nothing worked. I had a few coins left. So I went to a supermarket and one of the things that I bought at the supermarket were these amazing looking and sounding green tea pumpkin seeds. I was like, right, I'm gonna buy some of them. They're gonna be great. Now the packet, you could see inside and it looked like they were dusted with like a dried powder-like tea, almost like a matcha tea. And I thought these are gonna be great when I try and run back to the airport over the next couple of days is a whole nother story but then the next day when I started to run and I cracked them open (laughs) mind you I I had a hundred nearly a hundred kilometers to run in two days I had a plane to catch tropical island off the south coast of China it was humid it was hot it was muggy I had no water I was dehydrated and I still had all this time to go I had a little bag of oats that I could manage to pay for with the minimal amount of money that I had. So food was of the essence. I knew I could run with very little food because I've been testing that. And then when I opened these green tea pumpkin seeds, I realized that they still had the shells on them. So I had to try and crack the shells in my mouth, open up the seeds, and then eat them. Well, I had no time for that. I had no patience for that. I couldn't be bothered. So one of the main fuel sources of my 100 kilometre run, just under 100 kilometre run, back to the airport, were these, for me, useless pumpkin seeds. So all I could do was put a bunch in my mouth, suck on them, because they did taste nice, they were salty, they were green tea flavor, and then I would slightly chew on them to try and suck out some of the seeds, and then I would just spit them out. So, (laughs) a lesson to everyone. If you go to a foreign country, or if you're buying something that you don't normally buy, check, double check, and make sure that you'll be able to use them. Because my green tea pumpkin seeds, were useless to me because I just didn't have the mental will to spend the time and crack them individually in my mouth. So the most recent, well, two, mo- two of the most recent, well, they were a few years ago. Some stories that I that I have that nutrition was I used, I, I make these like energy ball things like everyone does you can see them on social media and all the rest of it and i make my own version i have been for years and and i thought wow like i'm gonna go and take them out for a ride that'd be great you know i can make them really small so i can pop them in my mouth perfect now i make mine with ground almonds and and raw cacao and chopped up walnuts a bit of coconut milk and coconut oil mix them all up put them in the fridge they go you know relatively solid because of the coconut oil and the thickness of the coconut milk and you know they're really really nice got a bit of crunch it tastes like chocolate oh they sound really good sometimes i'd crack a bit of himalayan pink salt in there salty chocolate salty chocolate balls won't go down there that's our old south park song but anyway (laughs) moving on swiftly so i would make these chocolate balls so this one day i loosely wrapped them in cling film, okay, and put them in my jersey pocket and went out cycling. Now, it wasn't super hot, but it wasn't like super cold. But if you think about it, I had these balls um, sitting in my jersey pocket and they're against my back. So I'm cycling, my core temperature is heating up, my back's quite warm, and these chocolate balls are sitting there. Now the coconut oil, when it's in the fridge and you take them out, is, it solidifies. So these balls are nice, sort of thick, and you have to bite through them. But after a period of time, they start to melt. And I'm going out for, I think it was like a six or seven hour ride, so I'm out for a while. And I didn't realize these balls are starting to melt. Starting to melt, starting to melt. And then I felt this slimy sensation across my back because this brown, <laughs> this brown, slimy liquid seeped through my jersey. So now I had like this dirty brown blob on the middle of my back, which doesn't look good when you're cycling, and uh, of my jersey. And uh, I could feel it on my skin. And when I put my hand under my jersey to wipe it, it's like it doesn't feel like sweat. I don't know what it was. My hand was just, and over my cycling gloves was just like this brown, oily, slimy like substance. And I just thought, wow, that's not very good. <laughs> so yeah, I learned from that coconut oil balls, don't use them if it's warm outside and you're cycling for longer than an hour or so because they'll melt. And if they're in the jersey pocket and they're not in a proper sealed container, they're going to go all over you. So the final story I wanna to talk to you about, I wanna talk about fluorescent fingers. Fluorescent fingers, okay? So I bake and make a lot of my sports nutrition these days, I have done for many years, and one of the things that I that I bake is a turmeric loaf with, with ground almonds or ground walnuts, depending on what I feel like. And I put quite a lot of turmeric in it for anti-inflammatories, um, properties, and I like the taste of it some cracked pepper, maybe some paprika. It's it's it's, it's different to sweet. It's quite savory. And it's just a very different flavor at sometimes at big events and races, I feel like. So, as you can imagine though, I put so much turmeric in. I don't do things by halves. I've got loads of this turmeric in there, and uh I cut them up into little squares and I put them in my running packs. And I'm running along, running along and and as the days go on, I'm not really paying any attention. I loosely wrap them up in cling film or in some, in some brown paper or whatever, and baking paper, and I get them out, get them out. And I don't really pay any attention because there was this one race, the North Downs Way, a hundred mile race. And um, I'm just nibbling on this and it just felt good. The first like 70 or 80 kilometers, I ate a lot of this and it felt good. And then one of the competitors said to me, are you okay? we were running together and I was like yeah I feel good he's like what's wrong with your fingers and I was like I don't know what's wrong with them and I looked down and my fingers were literally glowing they were fluorescent yellow <laughs> and I was just I looked at them for a second and I was like absolutely no idea what was going on just for a couple of seconds and then I and I started laughing I threw my head back and I said to him oh it's the food I'm eating And he must have been thinking I was eating something radioactive, the way that they were glowing. So I I reached into my little pocket and pulled out this little bright yellow square. And I said, yeah, I make these turmeric bars. And this guy had one, I I can't even remember his name, It it was several years ago. And he's like, oh yeah, I'll try one of them. And we had a laugh about how yellow my fingers were and you know I didn't need a, it was getting dark. And it's like, oh, well, in a couple of hours when it's pitch black, you won't need a head torch. I can just put my hand down in front of me and lead the way. So this guy's had one, he chewed it up politely I must admit, and he said, sorry, and just spat it out. He said, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted. And I uh, never saw him again, uh, hopefully he finished the race and his stomach didn't take a um, turn for the worse, but I was left for the rest of the event with glowing fingers and during the night, I must admit, they didn't glow, but uh, for about three or four days afterwards, I had bright yellow fingers so going to a coffee shop or a cafe or working with clients uh, shaking hands with people they'd see these bright yellow glowing turmeric fingers so that's a note to everyone if you're if you're working with turmeric um, and you're handling it be aware that you may have yellow fingers for several days afterwards all right guys I'm gonna leave it there these are some of the funny mistakes that i've made regarding food endurance sports let me know if you've had some as well by leaving a comment or even if you just had some funny experiences and maybe some mishaps with foods leave it leave a comment Um, when you listen to this i'd love to hear from it and remember we're creating a community here on the luke slowdown podcast i want to make it fun i want to make it relaxed. i want everyone to get something out of the episodes so let me know what you want to hear If you know part of my story and you want to know more, get in touch. Drop me an email or even just write a comment. That would be great because I want to give you all things that you can use, stuff that you can learn from, insightful, make you laugh. I hope you cracked a few smiles during this episode. And, uh, And with that, I'm going to leave you to the rest of your day. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, be real, be you.